0: You're listening to the Heart and Soul Podcast with Katherine Banko. I'm on a mission to celebrate breakthrough, empowerment, and shameless living in the lives of women everywhere. Join me and let's live unashamed together. Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode 23 of season four of Heart and Soul. I'm joined today by a soul sister, Lizzie Briasco. Is that how you say your last name? Yeah, Briasco. Briasco. Um, She is a registered dietitian and a recovered athlete. She has a really um, awesome story of breakthrough and overcoming a lot of food limitations, a lot of exercise obsession, and I'm really excited for y'all to hear her story and get to know her a little bit better. So thanks for coming on the podcast, Lizzie. Thanks for having me, Catherine. She also is from England and has the Coolest accent ever.
1: Well, it so long as you can understand it. Some people have difficulty. So, <laughs> if I need to to say anything again, or you can understand me, then I'll repeat it. Maybe I'll do an American accent. Just wait. Can you do an American accent just like I mean, right now? I, yeah, say, but I don't like
0: it. <laughs> say um. People. Say welcome to the Heart and Soul podcast in an American accent.
1: Okay. Well, then I have to decide which step because I really i my immediate go-to is Valley Girl like oh my god welcome to the Heart and Soul podcast <laughs> <laughs> which kind of makes me want to like stab myself in the eye um but when I when we first moved to New York I went to Catholic school from fourth to eighth grade and I got my fun of <laughs> for the way I talked my first day so I practiced for, like two weeks straight in American accent. Aww. And then at school, I would talk in an American accent so that I could like blend in. And then at home I would speak like this. So it was very confusing to my friends who came over to my house. But then by the time I got to high school, I was like, fuck it, I'm gonna yeah. just talk how I talk. And luckily by that point, Harry Potter had become really popular, so it was fine. But it was Harry that Potter. Was my, that was Harry- my first breakthrough.
0: <laughs> Harry Potter really changed the trajectory of your future it and did, past, yeah. really. <laughs> Um, that's a lot of work to like force yourself to speak in an accent at all times. One time, actually, this is not just like a long time ago. This was in the last few weeks. My brother-in-law was visiting and he and I just laugh a little too much together. And we were in the drive through for Starbucks and literally right when I was pulling up, he was like, I rolled down the window and he was like talking in English accent. Like order. No, he said order in an English accent and Uh I am not good at accent. So I was like, I, it was within two seconds. I was like, could I get a grande? And I kept changing it from like, um, English to like Australian to like Latina. I was like all (laughs) over the place and he was like, like trying not to like burst out laughing in the front seat. Mm -hmm. So that is a lot of work to continue that in High school, or I guess middle school, wherever whatever grade you were in.
1: Yeah, yeah, it was. I got tired of it. What year did you move to the states? Two thousand one. It was like a month before nine eleven happened.
0: Whoa! Welcome. What a welcome. Yeah, honestly, yeah. I still remember. And you were living in New
1: York. Yeah, we were in Queens. Um, Ooh. my dad was working a couple blocks away from the World Trade Center, actually. So his whole building was shut down. We didn't see him for a couple days. Um, and yeah, it was crazy. I still remember I was in fourth grade. Our principal came on over the loudspeaker and said that we were all co- going home early. And from where my, we lived with my grandma at the time. My dad mm. said my dad is American, born and raised Brooklyn. And from, there was like a bridge that you could see Manhattan from like up the hill from that house and me and my mom were just standing on that bridge and all we saw were mushroom clouds.
0: Oh my gosh, you never forget an image like that. No, it was that crazy is and crazy. So, like
1: that like living in New York then for 10 years, like everyone like knew that and had like some kind of personal story with that. Um, so then when I went off to college in Auburn, Alabama, so many people were so detached from that experience, and that was weird yeah some people would just say things and be like how can you say that? <laughs> like what yeah then I was like well I just saw this thing on tv but for me it was like very it hit home yeah like, and you said you were
0: in fourth grade how old are you
1: yeah I was nine yeah
0: I remember I was in seventh grade and I didn't understand I was in Texas I didn't understand it I was I didn't even know what the world trade center was so Thanks. I was just, I remember being in gym class and the teachers like stopping and, and telling us like what was going on. And I was so confused. So mm-hmm. I, I cannot imagine seeing it. You just don't forget something like that. I mean, mm-hmm. I still remember watching it on TV that day at school, like all the TVs were on and yeah, that's a, that was, that's yeah. insane, man. Welcome to America. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. So then tell our listeners a little bit about, yeah, transitioning. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Do. <laughs> Tell our listeners a little bit about who you are and what you do.
1: Yeah, so um, I feel like there's a lot of facets to who I am and what I do, <laughs> which I love. So I'm a registered dietitian, and that is different from a nutritionist. Anyone can call themselves a nutritionist. It doesn't mean anything. Not a legally protected term, but a dietitian is someone who has gone to school and graduated from an accredited four-year undergraduate program has also completed a dietetic internship that's at least 1200 hours long um and sat for a national exam and then passed that exam so I have done that uh, and <laughs> I've I done hope, that yeah <laughs> um, which is actually changing in 2024 so like everyone who's studying nutrition and dancing in 2020 the rules have changed a little bit you have to now have a master's degree before you do the internship which i have a lot of feelings about and a lot of like dietitians are upset about that <laughs> because it's like okay well if you're gonna make people get an extra degree can we see a change and like yeah. a salary and advocate for like better benefits and stuff but that's a whole different conversation <laughs> so i also special i consider myself an anti-diet dietitian um And if you think of the word diet, it literally just means eating pattern, but we have to consider the words we use in the grander context of society and how Mm -hmm. words change because they have context and more meaning than just the dictionary meaning, right? So like when I say diet, what do you think of?
0: I think of restriction.
1: Yes. And weight loss. Yeah. Right. So that's what I mean when I say anti-diet, dietitian, obviously I'm not anti eating yeah <laughs> um but i mean i know like based on the research and also having been like a dietitian for several years now i know that several health conditions can be managed without ever focusing on weight without ever counting calories or macros and without being like restrictive which a lot of people think they have to do in order to be healthy so i'm a huge advocate of letting people know you don't have to do that and you can have fun with food um And I basically help people restore their relationships and develop a really empowering and trusting relationship with food, as well as movement and their own body. I like those two words together, empowering
0: and trusting relationship with food. I haven't heard that. I love that. Um, So what's your story? What made you go into the anti-diet side of being a dietitian?
1: Yeah, good question. So I honestly didn't want to be <laughs> a dietitian <laughs> um, for a while. Like I graduated school and I was like, I don't know what I'm going to do because I don't want to do what I just studied for four years because that sounds awful. Um like it's all focused in numbers and I didn't realize it at the time but one of the reasons I didn't like it so much is because it was so disordered which is funny because when I first started studying nutrition I liked it for that exact reason because again I didn't know it at the time but I was struggling with my own eating disorder so I was like oh yeah numbers and weight loss let's do it but by the time I was graduating like I had been through a lot. I had seen my teammates and friends go through a lot. I ran competitively um, since I was 10 up through college, was a scholarship athlete, went through the ringer physically and mentally. Um, so I was just like, I can't I can't be bothered with this. Like it cannot be asked. Like this is causing so much pressure and I don't wanna make anyone else go through this much pressure with food because it doesn't make sense. Like there has to be another way. So then... I I fucked off to the woods for a year and um, um, what I mean by that is I so I didn't get matched to an internship which I found out a month before I was set to graduate and when I called people to tell them nobody believed me like my own sports dietitian, my friends in the program my mom my dad my brothers they were like okay very funny Lizzie where are you going for your internship and I was like I'm not kidding like I didn't get matched I have a 3A GPA been the captain of a D1 country team since I was a sophomore sec like athlete of the week multiple times um I didn't get mad like a volunteer 10 hours a week <laughs> I didn't get mad. wow so but I mean I kind of knew it was gonna happen because I was very depressed at the time so I had interviews but I botched all of them because mm-hmm. I was not a good headspace and um my, my mom sent me a quote which was really good it was like rejection doesn't mean not ever it just means not now mm. and I was like that's helpful and so I cried for about five minutes and then I was talking to my dad and he was like Liz this is the first time in like 10 years that you have the freedom to do whatever you want to do like you don't have to run if you don't want to you don't have to go to school you don't have to get like a job in your field like you just go and do whatever you want to do for the first time <laughs> in your life since you've been 10 or 11 years old just go and do what you want to do because you've had so much pressure mm. what a good dad honestly yeah that's like, such good advice one of the few pieces of good advice that man has given me <laughs> um again that's a whole other conversation but so I went to the, I decided I had three criteria for what I wanted to do and I had Three or four weeks to figure it out but three three criteria I wanted to do something I had never done in a place I had never been with people I had never met so really through a series of very fortunate events I ended up getting a job in the northwards of Minnesota and for me that was like okay fresh set like I'm not on a schedule for running I don't have to take classes or be in school like I'm just gonna go and see what is out there and I honestly think everyone should do
0: that
1: Yeah. because <laughs> it was so eye-opening and it really was like exactly what I needed at exactly the right time. And I got so much out of it. It was basically like my year of rediscovering myself. And then also it allowed me the space and time to figure out who I wanted to be moving forward and what I wanted my life to look like moving forward. Because mm-hmm. again, all of that had pretty much been dictated by sports. Or school, mainly both of those things. Yeah. Um, so through that year, I basically stumbled upon like my own recovery unintentionally. Like I started using coping skills. I didn't realize they were called coping skills or that they had names. I started like doing intuitive eating or following those 10 principles of intuitive eating without even knowing that had a name. Mm. I started exploring movement instead of like workouts and exercise blah blah blah, like having fun outside so I'm just gonna go have fun outside and mm. if that means I'm climbing a tree or jumping in the lake that's what I'm doing like I'm not gonna force my well I did try <laughs> I did force myself to go on a couple of runs a couple of times and after about the fifth time I just stopped and just started crying because that was like my final realization of like I don't like this right now and that was kind of soul crushing for me like I have to identifying as a competitive athlete and like a a national level athlete for almost 10 years. And then stopping and saying, this isn't for me anymore. (laughs) Was awful. I felt awful, but then I was like, okay, I'm letting go of that for now. Again, doesn't mean never. It just means not now. So I'm just going to allow my, I'm going to give myself permission to go and do things that are fun. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And, and so- what an identity shift because yeah. after just identifying as an athlete and, and in a competitive way for so many years to just one move to a new city is enough of an identity shift. Yeah. But Then to be like, I don't even like the things I do. I've been doing my whole life. Like, whoa, like you have to relearn yourself.
1: Yes. That it literally felt like the whole past 10 years I had like, been building this glass pane of myself and that year I just threw it on the ground and shattered mm. it all to pieces and just remade a completely different mosaic. With those oh. still same pieces, it just looked completely different.
0: That's a really beautiful image.
1: Thanks. I just came up with it.
0: <laughs> That's really good. I'm like it might even be the title of the episodes like shattering glass or something. I love that. Ooh,
1: there you go. Yeah. It's like when the actors say the title of the movie when they're in the movie.
0: Ooh, meta. <laughs>
1: so yeah throughout that year I was like I just have to figure out what I want to do with my life now because I don't want to be a dietitian but at the time I was working in the kitchen and so when we did have guests who had specific dietary needs like celiac or they had high blood pressure the cooks in the kitchen had no idea what they were doing so that those dishes just defaulted to me and then I also just educated sorry your little kitty cat (laughs) (laughs) she's trying to eat the microphone. those just defaulted to me. And then I also educated the kitchen staff and that was a new perspective on nutrition. Cause I was like, Oh, this is actually really fun. Like I love teaching people about food, like the Mm -hmm. education and like not related to all that other garbage about changing your body weight, shape, and size that feels very judgmental.
0: Yeah.
1: So then I was like, well, like now that I'm not freaking out around food so much and I actually think this is enjoyable. Maybe there is an internship out there. That's for me. So I was in Minnesota at the time. And that was like completely off chance. Like I didn't know what was in Minnesota. I was just going. It just so happens the only dietetic internship in the country that specializes in eating disorders that has a dedicated three or four month long rotation dedicated to eating disorder recovery is in Minnesota. What?
0: (laughs) Yeah. That's crazy.
1: Yeah, that's what I thought. So wow. it's like yeah. not to be. Yeah, exactly. So I did my research um, and then I went to the open house and within like 10, 15 minutes of the program director telling us about the program, I immediately was like, this is what I got to do. And it was with the Emily program in Minneapolis, St. Paul. And I was like, this is it. Like, this is what I've been looking for. I want to teach people how to approach food in this way. Because like, this is what I've been doing, just stumbling across it. So this makes sense to me. Like this makes so much more sense to me. And I've seen how it has helped me grow and like change for the better. Instead of continuing to spiral in that disordered diet culture cesspool. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Cesspool. What, What like really stuck out to me about
0: that is like, when you say yes to stepping into the unknown, it, it's not just the, uh, like, there's a bigger picture that you can't see yet. And like that nudge that you had to move to Minnesota without really realizing why, what should not have been ignored. And I'm so glad you didn't. Like, so if you're listening to this and you're like, i just feel nudged to do something, but it feels really scary. feels really unknown. Like there's a purpose in it. You just might not see it for like months, years down the road, but then you'll look back and be like, oh, that's why I did that. Or, oh, that's why I moved there. That's why I stepped into this, you know, like say yes to whatever nudge you have, even if it is scary.
1: Mm -hmm, Exactly. And trust yourself. Like that is, the biggest lesson I well one of the biggest lessons I learned that year was just like trust yourself like you can trust yourself and also you can trust your body like mm-hmm. just like with hungerfulness cues just like with when you gotta pee and when you gotta take a shit sorry I don't know if I should be kissing on you
0: but okay, I am okay I can just mark it as explicit <laughs>
1: <Okay>. <laughs> um like you can trust your body and you can also trust your intuition yeah you know oh there's also a quote that I remember from it was up in one of the group rooms at the Emmy program where I ended up taking a job after my internship and it said leap and the net will appear. Mm. And I have taken that with me as well. I'm a huge fan of quotes and phrases. Some oh, of my too. clients, it, especially my Gen Z clients are like, it's so cheesy, but I'm like, well, they work <laughs> and yeah. they're helpful. So I'm going to keep doling them out.
0: Exactly. I am going to throw it out. Another thing that I heard from your story about, um, movement specifically at which I'm obviously the most passionate about is movement mm-hmm. was when you said like, I'm just going to go outside and play.
1: Uh-huh.
0: Like remember when we were kids and we would not think about, um, what we ate. We would not think about ac- exercise. We just like lived <laughs> life. Like, so what it, what's it called? Un? I don't, un a bit, I'm thinking uninhibited, uninhibitedly. That's a really hard word to say. (laughs) Um, Uninhibitably. And we, and like, we didn't have stress, right. You know, like I feel like a lot of the pressures that we put on ourselves is what's creating the stress. So it's like the stress creates more stress, which it's just like a vicious cycle. It's like, you're in a hamster wheel and you, you can't get out. Yeah. But as kids, like, we need to go back to the basics, which sure. is just being a kid living in freedom.
1: Yes, I completely agree. Freedom, that is, is, um, that's the end goal. Yeah, me when I work with like everyone that I work with, the end goal is freedom. And you're absolutely right. That's something I say a lot to people is like something happens somewhere along the way between like childhood and adulthood. Like childhood is all about play and exploring and being curious. And then we learn that that's not right or that's not how you succeed or become accomplished and like we need to sacrifice and push our limits and never rest or play and be super serious all the time and like chain ourselves to a treadmill and that is like the complete opposite I mean there's more research that's coming out that shows um that that's not how it works and I mean like I'm a research brain and I'm also an anecdotal brain. Like life experiences have just as much importance as like the actual scientific evidence. Um, Absolutely. But I mean, yeah, like if you can learn to have fun and play, not only with movement, but I mean also with food, like get curious, have fun. Yeah. You're allowed. You're allowed to have fun with these things that society has taught you that you have to be like very strict and regimented about. Like you will go so much further and enjoy your life so much because that's the other thing you know like um I feel like two things (laughs) we as a society need to talk more about is like sex and death (laughs) (laughs) but like if you think about it like on your tombstone you don't like nobody's gonna care what you looked like
0: yeah you know true I think about that so often now Mm -hmm. They're not going to think, they're not going to, if someone's giving your eulogy, they're not going to be standing there being like, man, so glad she was a size two. Like, didn't she that impact so you?
1: Salads.
0: Yeah. She really ate salads and she just like, she stayed under her calorie goal. Like how disciplined she was. Right. We're going to be out there being like, oh my gosh, this one time we went out and we got pizza at like midnight and she was making me laugh so hard because she was putting the pizza. I don't know. You know, like it's going to be the experiences where you're free that people are going to remember about you, not the restrictions.
1: Yes. You want to do a really quick activity that emphasizes that point? Okay. So if you're listening and Catherine, you're going to be my subject. But if, if you're listening, I just want you to think about three people that you love, respect, admire. Okay. You don't have to say them out loud. Okay. Just have those three people. Do you have them? Yeah. Okay. What do you love about them?
0: Uh, they're thoughtful. They're fun, like funny. They make me laugh. Mm-hmm. Um, they're empathetic. They're adventurous. I would say laughter is like the one thing that is what I love most about all three of these people I'm thinking of.
1: Awesome. Okay. Did you notice you said nothing about their appearance?
0: Mm, Yeah. Yeah. I could care less (laughs) about their appearance.
1: Exactly. So that tells us a couple things like number one. And if you're listening and you will have that same experience, which I would like 10 out of 10, I have not had one person yet. who's like, well, what I love about them is their (laughs) six (laughs) pack. That's not, those are not the people you really hold close. Um, so that tells us, number one, we don't actually value physical appearance as much as we're told we should. Mm-hmm. And also, number two, if that's true for those other people, why can't that be true for ourselves?
0: Yeah, right. Like, why don't we think of those characteristics first when we think of ourselves instead of being like, oh, I will, I will truly find worthiness once I reach this weight or mm-hmm. once I run this many miles or whatever it is that you're. Yeah. So true. That's a good exercise. I, if you're listening to this, you better be doing that. Like pause <laughs> the podcast right now and do it, do it real quick. I love that. Yeah. I, there's this one quote that I heard, um, or that I read on Instagram, speaking of quotes, mm-hmm. I love quotes too. And it was talking about like, when I think about the people in my life, I don't think about that. They, um, weighed this much or that they wore this really well. What I think about is the way that they made me laugh, the way that they made, the way that they cared for me, the way that they let me cry with them. And I always go back, it's favorited in my phone because I always go back to that whenever I'm putting too much pressure on myself in a physical sense, Mm -hmm. be like, okay, if I am focused so much on these physical identities, what I eat, what I look like, then I am limited in the kind of empathy and love and moments of experience that I can give to people because my mind is so clouded. I mean, you've been there. We've talked about this. Like you, when you are so obsessed with food or exercise, you are so distracted by those thoughts that you can't actually fully experience a moment. You're out, like you're out of it. Yeah. And what a shame if we get to the end of our life and we look back and we're like, wow, what a shame if we hold on to shame our whole life, you know, because then, then we don't really get to experience all of that is out there for us. Yes. And what's right in front of us. A lot of times we miss what's right in front of us because we're so obsessed with the thoughts in our head.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It totally impacts relationships and like your ability to actually engage in life. Yeah. Yeah. And there's a difference between surviving and thriving.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And when you are stuck in disordered eating, you are surviving. Yeah. Barely. Yeah. Barely surviving. I, or at least I was.
1: Yeah. No, same. Yeah. Yeah. So,
0: <laughs> so when you realize like, I want to be an anti-diet dietitian, how did you like I'm sure being a dietitian, just, just as being a fitness trainer is, there's a lot of pressure to um, go a certain way. And for you to go against the mold is probably a little challenging in your industry. So Mm -hmm. what was that like for you? Like how did you make the shift once you entered the professional world to really put that into practice? Yeah.
1: Well, so, I mean, when you're working, well, I was going to say, when you're working with eating disorders, it's different because people tend to like expect that. I even really say that because even like I get people who do have very disordered eating or full-blown eating disorders and like they still have such little awareness about it or how little it is impacting them and they're not ready to make a change. So some people get very angry when they come in and they're like, you know, I'm doing these things and it really sucks but I just need to lose weight and we go through like criteria and everything I'm like okay well you know it sounds like you've been struggling with this for a while and it's kind of snowballed and now it's at the point where like I think you really need to see a therapist and me um because it looks like this is what's going on Mm -hmm. so like weight loss is kind of off the table right now we need to get you more stable and I know it can feel like it's about the food, but it's really not about the food. Um, And like, this is impacting your health in a negative way. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I have people who will just walk out of my office because they don't want to hear that. But I mean, that, I'd say that's like less than 5% of people's initial appointments. Um, Most people, when they hear about my approach with food and movement or exercise and body image, are like, oh my God, you mean there's a different way I could be doing this? Yeah. (laughs) Or like you can help me decrease these obsessive thoughts and like Mm. not feel so much guilt and shame around this stuff. That's so different from everyone else that I've worked with. And I mean, I literally had someone, I was seeing him for like four or five months and he was like, "Um, you know, Lizzie, you're like the first health professional I've met who hasn't made me feel like shit about myself. Mm. And that was one of those moments where I was like, this is why I do what I do because nobody should be made to feel that way just for existing.
0: Yeah. Oh yeah. I get that a lot too. And I also get a lot of pushback in the beginning when clients come through come through the door and they're like, I'm, I want to do personal training because I want to lose 20 pounds by Mm -hmm. for this event or whatever by this time. And I'm like, okay, well, we're going to practice, um, moving in a way that we enjoy and figuring out what we enjoy. And then if weight loss comes, that's great, but it's not, it's because you're not stressed. It's because you're taking away these stressors in your life and your body's just living inhibitedly. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Un- <uninhibitedly.
0: laughs> See, That's the title of the episode.
1: Um, yeah. Yeah. Right. And like they're taking care of themselves. Yeah. You're just, you're taking
0: care of yourself and your mind is in a a healthy space.
1: Mm -hmm. Your mind Mm -hmm.
0: affects so much of your physical body and people don't give it enough credit. Yes, They ignore that. And then they expect to be physically, you know, healthy, but if you're not mentally healthy everything else is just going to crash and burn.
1: Yes. Yeah. I don't think people understand like how much somaticism is really a thing like I remember when I was a senior and it, that was like I was in the pits my senior year but I was also constipated yeah and so I'm there <laughs> yeah so people been periods top three things that I mm-hmm. told me especially with my athletes. um but I wasn't I <laughs> wasn't going so I was talking to a bunch of different people and like even my own sports dietitian at the time was like, oh, okay well try this, but I mean, it looks like you're doing everything you can like with foods where I don't really understand what's happening. And then I was talking, this was like the second piece of advice that my dad gave me. I was talking to my dad and he was like, well, was, you know, I guess stressed because I'm reading some things that stress can really impact your digestive system. And me immediately being well I'm an athlete I don't have mental health issues I'm not stressed I don't have anxiety I'm doing fine of course that's not it how could you say that mm-hmm. looking back on it now it's like hun, you were fucking stressed yeah like, you were really stressed you were so emotionally constipated you literally could not give a shit Emotion- like that
0: <laughs> emotionally <laughs> constipated is so good I'm gonna use that in the future <laughs> That is so good. <laughs>
1: like I was not feeling any of my feelings because it was so terrifying at the time. Yeah. You know how big they were. And yeah. I felt like I would drown if I let myself feel them. So, yeah. Um, but I mean, something else that I talk about a lot is um, like weight stigma and fat phobia. And so that, I mean, every it usually takes a lot of people time to warm up to that or like to be ready to hear about it because I say this to everyone I work with like your body is going to do what it's going to do I can't tell you if you stop binging yes you're going to lose weight and I also can't tell you like how much weight you need to restore to be in a healthy body because number one the BMI is bullshit Mm -hmm. and number two like what we really need to address is your relationship with your body because body image actually has very little to do with what you actually look like and everything to do with your own relationship with your body. Like if you were talking to your friend, the way that you talk to your body, would they want to hang out with you? Probably not. You know, if you're talking, like that's an abusive relationship you have with your body. Mm -hmm. Um, And we know that body image, like that's how it works because there are people in a whole bunch of different, size bodies, shaped bodies, able bodies, disabled bodies who do have a positive body image. Yeah. So really the question is like, is your body wrong or were all the messages you've received your whole life and internalized wrong? And that can be uncomfortable. A lot of people struggle with that. Like, well, what do you mean? Like I haven't binged for six months and six months and I'm having like three meals and two to three snacks and I'm honoring my hunger cues. And my weight hasn't changed, and I'm like, remember that conversation we had? Yeah. Months ago, like this was a possibility, and like your body isn't the issue; it's everything you're feeling about it. Yeah. Which can be changed. Like it is way easier to. It's another thing people don't recognize. Like it's way easier to actually work on your relationship with your body than fighting with your body every single day to fit this. Quite frankly, pretty fucked social cultural ideal about what we have that even is healthy. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: So so good, man, so good. So <laughs> what? Um, I know you're going through some shifts in your in your professional life. Like, what is your mission? Like, if someone wanted to, I, we know your mission, but if someone wanted to connect with you on a professional basis, like wanted to work with you as their dietitian um, what are some things that you offer?
1: Yeah. Oh man. Um, so definitely individual counseling, Mm -hmm. nutritional counseling. And again, like I'm really not a fan of meal plans because so many people get meal plans and then they fall off the meal plan. And then that leads to a whole bunch of negative feelings or like they don't have discipline. Um, and again, it's an external regulator. So I don't really do meal plans. What I'm also focused on is like, <laughs> number one, are you eating enough? Are you actually eating enough? Because so many people don't actually realize how much energy their body actually needs. Um, really just to sit, like
0: just to sleep, your body needs a lot of energy.
1: Yeah. Like if you think about people in comas in the hospital who are unresponsive, they have a tube feed. Like they yeah. literally have a hospital dietitian in charge of feeding them through a tube. Because they still need, like, at, well, it depends on what they're going through, but like at least 1600 calories. Yeah. And that's lying there. Yeah. You know, I mean, some of them might have burns or injuries, but, and that would be way higher. But um, yeah, like people are so fixated on, like, well, what's my BMR? What's my RMR? Like, your brain capacity uses 30% of your resting metabolic rate. That's crazy.
0: Mm. And yeah, that is.
1: You know, and um, I have, like, this little energy expenditure graph that I use to show people, but, like, our resting metabolic rate, which is literally just the energy our body uses to keep ourselves alive and our organs functioning, like, that takes up about 70% of our energy needs. <sighs> you know? <laughs> it's a whole lot. Yeah. So, and, I mean, just to give you an idea, like, let's, let's just do some math right now. Just... Um, I am going to be mentioning some numbers. So if that is difficult for you and you're listening, just skip through this bit. But just to give you an idea, right? Let's just say for shits and giggles that somebody needs 2000 calories, Yeah. right? Okay. Just because that's the arbitrary go-to number. Yeah, it is. (laughs) But 70% of that is 1400. So then if you think how many like, nutrition coaches out there are handing out 1200 calorie meal plans. That's not even enough energy for your body to survive.
0: Yeah. It, I love the graphics out there that are usually posted by answer diet dietitians that say like a 1200 calorie diet is what my toddler is supposed to eat. Yes. And what's really sad. And I've talked about this before is when you get on my fitness pal or these apps oh, that for oh tracking, I hate my fitness pal. It controlled me for so many years that if anyone, I like, I I know the logo so well that I want to like burn it. Um, But when you get on and you're like, you set your goal or whatever, it always tells you 1200 calories always, no matter what it is, it's 1200 calories every time. So I'm like, are you even uh, hello, Mr. Robot? Like what? It's just so absurd to me. It drives me crazy. Yeah. It's
1: B-A-N-A-N-A-S. Oh, so the original question, what well, services, sorry. I oh yeah. We could go for days. I know. Um, so individual nutrition sessions. And basically what I talk about with that um, for, well, really for everyone, it's four main things. So it's food, nutrition, education, and also relationship with food because food is an emotional thing it's allowed to be emotional Mm -hmm. Different from having it be responsible for your emotions whether that's numbing or feeling certain things movement and also relationship with movement um identity so like your whole person as a self and like who you are outside of food and movement I especially talk about that a lot with my athletes and retired athletes You need to have many baskets for your eggs. You cannot put all your eggs in one basket and body image. So the relationship with your body, you know? Um, And I honestly think like people will get the most out of these services if they're at least open and curious about it. Um, I think the people who really do not get a lot out of this sort of counseling, those who are not really ready, um, And I mean, not only not ready, but just totally closed off, like still very much in this tunnel vision mindset of like, um, no, that sounds like being weak and basically where I was my senior year of college. Right. (laughs) Like I don't have issues (laughs) or like this isn't emotional for me or like I'm strong enough that it doesn't impact me. Like as soon as somebody says that it's similar to like being the person who knows the most in the room. Like as soon as somebody says that, I immediately know like you're lying to yourself and that's yeah. okay. Denial is not just a river, but when you're ready or if you think this could possibly be helpful, my door will always be open, but I don't want to waste your time or my time because there are so many people who are ready and like are at least willing to learn. Yeah, and you, like you that's only like- willing, even if you're not-
0: Even if you're not necessarily fully ready, like if you're Mm -hmm. willing, then the change will come if -hmm. you're willing to receive it. Yeah. 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 So I could talk to you for days. So (laughs) if someone wants to work with you, what is the best way for them to find you?
1: Oh, yeah. Um, well, I'm on Instagram, the recovered athlete.
0: Love your Um, handle. I love that name.
1: Uh, shoot me a DM. And uh, you can also find me on my website, which is transitionnutritionnc.com. You can send me a message on there.
0: My favorite content that you share is the reels on on, like cooking videos or like the chicken nugget one really, really got me. They are so funny. She'll like watch a video or like a like a recipe thing, and then you'll comment on it as it's like on the green screen in the background and it is. Good content, y'all. You really need to give her a follow. They're really funny.
1: Thank you. I think I've only made two. I'm really technologically challenged. Um, um, making a
0: reel is, or a TikTok is a full-time job to make one. Yeah. It takes so uh, long. I'm like, how are these people just spitting out so much content? It is so stressful for me to, my phone dies by the time that I figure out how to do it. Like it's so uh, much, <laughs> it's uh, a lot. Um, yeah, definitely connect with Lizzie on the recovered athlete and I'll link all that in the show notes. I feel like we could record a whole nother episode. Um, (laughs) unfortunately I have a 12 o'clock appointment, which I'm, um, realizing I should have planned like two hours for us to talk, but I want to ask you four questions before, we sign off that I ask every single guest. I want to make sure we get to those. So I'm going to start asking those now. And then if you want any more content from Lizzie, please follow her on Instagram. Um, First question is, what is something that you are currently loving or obsessed with right now?
1: Wordle. No, zero hesitation. Zero. I will say I don't like it as much since the times has taken over. They've had some pretty pretentious words, but I do the wordle every single day. I
0: haven't started yet, but people talk about this. Like it is crack. Like I really need to remember. Do you remember um, this might be dating myself. Do you remember the app, the game words with friends? Oh my
1: God. Yes. I was yes. so
0: obsessed with that in college and which is probably also dating myself. But, um, I feel like I would really like Wordle if I loved that.
1: I think you would.
0: Yeah. So I need to start it. Um, okay. Wordle, that was the quickest. What are you obsessed with answer ever on the podcast? Um, <laughs> second question is what's something that you're really looking forward to in 2022
1: something I'm really looking forward to in 2022 well I mean uh relaxed restrictions pandemic wise yeah. yeah. um and spending more time with my friends and myself
0: oh I love that spending more time with myself I love that um third question is what is something that you really love about yourself right now
1: Um, I would say like at this, in this current season of my life, what I'm really loving about myself is ambition, creative, creativity, and courage, like doing things, even though they are scary.
0: Doing it scared. Yeah. I love that. Uh, And those are also true just from what I've learned from you in the last two months of three months, um, not even three months of knowing you, like so short, I can see all those new characteristics in you for sure. No, thank you. Yeah. Last question is what, if you could leave our list, you said you love quotes. Um, so if you could leave our listeners with like a little nugget of truth, a little quote that they can put on their screensaver of their phone today, what would that be?
1: This is my own life motto, which love I it live by since I was in the woods, honestly. And that's be who you needed when you were younger. Oh, no. I (laughs) like honestly did stab
0: me a little bit. And that's so true. I feel like if you do, if you provide something for the world now that you were lacking. So like with, with, um, fitness for me, I was, I needed a soul fitness when I was in my eating disorder. And Mm -hmm. that's why I started that. I started it because I was, I needed other women to experience what I needed when I didn't have it. That was such a weird way of saying that. But no, I get it. Whatever, yeah, whatever you're like, you feel like you lacked as. in in really tough seasons, like provide that to the world. And it doesn't have to be a career. Like you don't have to start a business. Mm -hmm. Just like, even if you lacked empathy during a season, like provide that for someone. If you lacked encouragement, provide that for someone. So I love that quote. Say it again, say it again.
1: Be who you needed when you were younger. And like that applies like for other people and also for yourself. Like that's one of the cool things one of the few cool things about being an adult <laughs> is that you get to give yourself things that you may not have gotten as a kid or a teenager yeah. or when you were younger and you were struggling. So now you can learn how to do that for yourself and for the people. Cause that also feels amazing. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely.
0: Um, well, I love you, Lizzie. I could talk to you forever and I, I love what you're doing. I really believe that you're going to change the world. One recovered <laughs> human at a time. I, I, I truly believe it. Y'all go follow Lizzie at the recovered athlete on Instagram. I will link it in the show notes and I know I will talk to you soon, but listeners, I will talk to you next week. Bye.